Let's go. Can't bound. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. It has been such an incredible ride. I'm, I'm glad we really got to do this. Uh, newer audience, uh, getting to talk to a lot of people we didn't really uh, have, weren't listening to us beforehand, which is awesome. Uh, kind of just spreading our uh, our dynasty strategy and just how we think about it. And this is an everyday thing for Adam and I. It's uh, constant. And even when we get branded on, we're talking about things we don't even play, right? I don't play college fantasy football. But uh, last week, showing us his, uh, his breakdown, his deconstruction, which was awesome. And it just got me thinking more. Like, damn, can I apply this here? And maybe I do need a college fantasy football league. <laughs> but we're going to make it happen with Sleeper. Damn it. I promise. <laughs> Let's go. I will continually tag them until they comply. Let's go. But Adam, how you doing, buddy? How was, uh, how was your week? Did you survive the snowstorm? The weather has been god-awful in the Midwest. It has been horrendous, horrible. Uh, as the nation got to see... With a Kansas City game Saturday night, frigid, cold beers, freezing. Uh, it was actually warmer in the coolers at the stadium than it was outside. You might, you might as well unplug those, man. Paying electricity to warm stuff up in a cooler? I mean, come on now. Well, they they definitely weren't running, right? Like, uh, the only thing that were, they were used for was lights. Yeah, they were... They were uh... They're kind of more of a you know a visual appearance thing. It, what was great too was I don't know if you saw there was a great snazzical um, Andy Reid had going there. It's magical, man. As a guy who's got a beard, hell out there. a lot of facial hair, like my snickles, my uh, snot sickles, my sickles, they get huge. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, but it, it, I've been doing well, man, and it's it's fun. Um, you know what, what's what's really interesting is the longer uh, we've been doing content or trying to talk about you know our strategies and all along we we kind of have changed drastically. I would say certain, you know, staples for us have remained the same, right? But a lot of our strategies, the way we approach it in our kind of expand, expanding in our own repertoire and way to view things from a wider lens. So I'm excited to kind of get through this and even just starting this Canton bound, right? When we first did our first podcast, it's all right, we're doing, this is how we think in the moment of our first time doing content and our strategy. And, even when we started Canton Bound, a lot of the same principles, but we had a chance to reflect on a lot of things we've changed, too, and start from the beginning. Yeah, uh, well, we're going to talk about uh, startup uh, in the off season, right? And it's so early. Kind of an interesting time, too, because there's some things that are the old standbys, at least for how I view it or how I strategize in my process. Adam, rookie picks, uh, we, we usually do them, so just for reference. The, the fairest way, in my opinion right, to do rookie picks if you're going to do a startup right now for 24 is to use kickers as placeholders, which just means go ahead, whenever you select a kicker, that's going to be a rookie pick, right? So first kicker off the board's 101, next kicker's 102, 
kicker after that's 103 you know so on and so forth and i think we've kind of done it in various ways where uh you know like a lot of the startups last year adam i think i did the first 36 rookie picks and then rounds four and five was just going to be you know a snake inverse of of the startup right because it's fourth and fifth round picks who cares um I think one of the things, though, this is a shout-out to uh, Jcap, who's also a member of South Harmon. He made a tool called Sleepier. So if yep. you go over to our website, you want to check that out. It is amazing. But he has, a, as far as I know, the only one in the space, at least for Sleeper, right, that has a pick tracker. So uh, he coded it up so it will look at your league based on your league ID number and keep track of who has assigned what pick all the way down for how many ever you want to do, right? <laughs> like it just keeps going and going. Um, so it really takes the, uh, the grunt workout, the leg work per se of like understanding who has what pick and what picks have already been taken. So at least in my opinion, that's probably the fairest way to do it is use kickers. Um, you know, in, in past, when we first started dynasty, I don't know if you remember, we used to do the, uh, the old, uh, you know, whoever got the one twelve got the one one rookie pick in that upcoming class. And then we found out that's probably extremely unfair because <laughs> they basically get two first round startup picks like right off the jump, <laughs> almost three, because then they're also picking at the two Oh one. Right. <laughs> yep. So, uh, uh, we found out that's probably the worst way to do it. So you could randomize it, which is horrible. Uh, ideally Adam, I would love, uh, when, when we do startups just to do them as auctions. Um, but you know, a lot of people still have affinity for snake drafts. I think auctions are probably the easiest way because you throw the rookies in too, right? We're going to throw Caleb Williams and Drake may, and you're going to bid on them just like you would Patrick Mahomes or CJ Stroud. And we'll see who really has got the stones to pay what they're worth. Yeah, um, absolutely. But if you're doing a snake draft startup, uh, Adam, uh, would you agree though? Like kickers is probably placeholders, the best way to do uh, rookie picks. The way you phrase it there, I, I would agree with that. Yes, I think it's the best way. Now, the fairest way some people may argue with you, not saying that I, I will argue with you, but where the, the placeholder thing basically becomes an issue. And I, I think this is a something we can touch on, maybe not in this episode specifically, or if we do briefly. But I, I think one of the biggest um, challenges for a um, newer dynasty manager, or even sometimes people that have played, is really, I, I call it like the conversion, right? Conversion of what's a startup pick value what's a you know draft pick rookie pick value because they're both draft picks but what's a startup draft pick what's a rookie pick value and then what is the rookie players value versus the picks you know we can talk about some differences there and we can see that so the reason i say that some people don't like it is if they're not comfortable with what the values are right they they feel like they're going to end up getting messed up and not get enough draft picks or some way some shape or form kind of miss out but i agree with you that um it gives everybody like in my opinion, if you're going to do a snake, you're going back and forth. But why not include all the assets as you can into the draft, right? As many of them into the draft, and then you let everybody pick what they want. That, that I think, is when you become making it the best. But, um, you know, obviously that's dealer's choice or preference of the manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing I can say, I mean, we're going to talk about startup strategy, and a lot of it's going to hinge on rookies, right, and just pick value, right? So this kind of going to be where this episode goes is uh, yep. we're going to talk about it from the lens of, and the first thing I'll say, Adam, and, and, you know, I don't have the data in front of me, but it is out there, right? Through a deco in the past, I know he's part of uh, a DFB encounter, Bulletproof ADP, right? If you use that, uh, South Harmon, we have our own ADP that Koopa and Com Tom have put together that they track it as well. But the one thing I say is I have multiple years where I can point back, or if you want to go look yourself, 
that uh, when you use kickers as placeholders, right, or you're just selecting pick numbers, uh, the one big difference is January, February, March, whenever you want to do this early part of April, when they're actually just a number and it's not a player assigned to it, yeah, Adam, they almost always go later than what the actual player who who ends up in that slot. So, for example, the the one hundred one. Let's just start it off. Caleb Williams. Okay, mm-hmm. um, he's going to go. You know, anywhere if you just use it as the one hundred one, quote unquote. Right now, uh, let's say we fast forward to April, the end of April. He is the first pick in the draft. He's the one hundred one consensus in rookie drafts. Yada yada yada. Um, Adam, the the startup that I pulled up here that I'm showing here, just for a visual reference for us, that 101 pick went at the 110. Yep. Do you think if Caleb Williams is the 101, consensus 101 in April, right? Everybody's, you know, like, damn. Killed it at the combine. Interviews were great, you know, mm-hmm. you know, exciting. It doesn't even have to be the Bears. But let's just let's live in a world where somebody traded up with the Bears to the 101 to take Caleb Williams. We're like, oh, I can get behind this offense, Caleb. You know, he's a consensus 101. Yeah. Do you think he would last until the 110, you know, say an mm-hmm. early startup in May? <laughs> so I, I would say typically no. Um, the reason I think it's going to be interesting this year, Mike, is because it, it, it's the, the valuation of quarterbacks and where they go relative in startups. So, for example, in years past, last year, we know for a fact almost that there's no way if Caleb Williams is going to be the 101 in the, in the NFL draft and he's checking every box, and this is a guy that people have been talking about for, I mean, it feels like since I can remember, he's got, he's going to definitely go at where Anthony Richardson's going in this current startup, as you see on your screen at the 108, right? Like right. in that range. So. I would agree. Now, the reason I say that this year will be interesting to track relative to normal is because, Mike, if you tell me right now that, that that's Marvin Harrison going in between Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb, you wouldn't be surprised, right? No. And that's where I think it's going to be interesting this season typically where um, it, where typically we're seeing that the 110 is way too much of a value for the 101. That's, I guess, why I'm saying that. Even then, right? Let's just say it's in uh, historically too. This kind of lines up. Maybe the one hundred one or the one hundred two doesn't get that big of a value bump from from number, correct? You know, rookie number to actual yep. player. Yep. They'll kind of fall within a few picks. Um, yep. So you're just arguing semantics. But as you keep going down, right? The the one hundred four, the one hundred five, exactly. One hundred six, that, seven. That's where eight. you start to see the disparity really grow. I hundred percent agree. Sometimes those become like rounds, right? Like two rounds, almost three rounds, like bump up when it's actual player, and then you can put the the name to the instead of the pick number, right? Big time. And I think Mike, it's it, it's interesting because that is like in, in essence what you just discussed there, right? Is what I was talking about where. Sometimes people have a harder time conceptualizing what player is this pick, right? And where is that going to start up? And I think that's exactly why I'm saying that, you know, some people don't like to draft the picks because they feel like they're drafted a number and they don't know what the heck it means. And then they find out, you know, three months later when they look back, oh my goodness, man, why did I, why did I pass on all these rookies? You know, but they, yeah. they, they view them as a kicker and a placeholder and they don't see it as a player. All right, so a good example here, right? I ended up taking Jamar Chase with my first pick. I picked up the 112. It's third-round reversal, best ball, start two quarterbacks, three three wide receivers, start two tight end, right? Like 30-man rosters, kind of you're just running the middle best ball, not really crazy on scoring, plug everything into warp, you know, to kind of get an idea of what I want, right? Jamar Chase at the 112 feels like, okay. You know, the 101 went at the 110, then C.D. Lamb went and going, okay. You know, if the 101 was Marvin Harrison and not Caleb, 
Jamar Chase or the 102? Which do I go with? Well, the beauty of it is you pick at the the 112, you're like, just take both. <laughs> take Jamar Chase and take the 102, right? Exactly. And, if, exactly. and I think you and I talked about this whereas, uh, through text where I'm like, this just feels like this is kind of where the 102 is going to end up in that range anyways. And I have the flexibility of if somebody takes Caleb with the 101, now I got Jamar Chase and Marvin Harrison Jr. Or if somebody takes Marv with the 101, now I'm looking at Jamar Chase and Caleb Williams. Like, this is a pretty good mix. And that's that's where, a great way to start a startup. And that's where the 102 this year is one of those picks that just... Yeah, if you want to pay up the extra four spot, uh, three spots here to go make sure you have 101, right. I, I'm not going to say like it's drastically different than the 201, but to have the three-pick luxury difference of... I like either. I'm very happy with either player or what that pick value is going to be if I decide to trade later on. I think it's uh, you're, you're sitting up really nice um, with that extra, you know, waiting on the turn to get very much similar value, in my opinion. So talking about like how to value it, right? And I think this is one of the things you and I have done so many startups over the years. We've done so many early startups. We've done so many after the draft. Um, like I said, we got all those uh, tools to track ADP, and you know we we have discussed multiple times, you know, on shows and private through DMs and texts, just about how this uh, the value like always seems to change. So we kind of have a pretty good feel of it. But just to let people know, when I take the 102 at the 201 in a startup. I'm taking it because I know that's probably the range it's going to be. And, and logically, we can just talk about it. The the stuff that went after the 102, right? Trevor Lawrence. So you're going to have that debate. Trevor Lawrence or the 102. Now, let's say the 102 is Caleb or Marv, right? It's going to be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair debate. Like, who would Absolutely. you rather have in a start two QB best ball, right? Marv or, or Trevor Lawrence? You're in the range. People have their preferences, obviously. Amon Ross St. Brown. We just saw him have a great game, right? A great game and remind people that he's a top elite Marvin Harrison or Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, that's a debate. Um, the 103 then went afterwards, but I think that's probably the range that you're talking about, right? Because nobody's really going to have a debate, Marvin Harrison or Dak Prescott. I don't I think mean, that's a debate. I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, um, one of the things to really keep in mind is will somebody have a debate in a startup right now I think most times no. Will somebody have a debate when we get to the start of January or the start of the season or not in January? Maybe. But to the point right now when you have we're gonna have eight months before we're talking about really getting prepared for the season. Eh, almost guaranteed everybody's gonna have the um you know, the Marvin Harrison Jr. side. And I think a lot of that, too, just another point about startups doing these, at least how I like to approach it. Not everybody's got to do the same thing, but just in general, Adam, and I think you'll probably agree because I've seen you approach this, too. The thinking that we have is if I'm doing a startup in January, February, March, I'm not drafting to build a team for September. I'm not drafting to build a team for October or November. I'm not thinking about competing. Now, I may make some picks where I'm going to lean a little bit more towards the competitive side. But these early picks, I'm all about staying flexible, and I really just want to draft for value. I want to draft for things that are going to be movable. So if an opportunity arises, you know, Marvin Harrison, let's just say he came out, right? Caleb Williams becomes the locked-in one. Marvin Harrison comes at the combine at his size, measures in at 6'4", you know, true 6'4", 215 pounds, goes out, runs a 4'3", you know, maybe does a couple receiving drills or whatever, has some elite, like, testing numbers, 
uh, you know, Caleb goes one, Marv goes two to a really great team, right? A good quarterback. Maybe Arizona trades up, and it's the Kyler Murray and Marv, and you're looking at a prospect who produced at a young age, who who was electric, who is considered one of the best wide receiver prospects of all time, and he's got the athletic measurables where you go, holy shit, like this is a guy that I want on my team. I got eight months like in that time for for something good to happen or somebody to get a you know pardon my french a hair up their ass to go man i really want marv on my team not a lot of people are really going to go i want a dak prescott on my team there's a select few of your league who are going to go i'm competing i want an older quarterback who's had some issues the last time we saw him it wasn't great right fantasy points wise if you played in playoff leagues you love what Dak gave you for production uh, you know, Twitter's ripping him for good reason. Right? He lost mm-hmm. the game and got blown out by Jordan Love and the Packers, essentially. So that's the last memory of it. We don't have any real negative memories about Marvin Harrison, right? Everything we got is going to be hype. It's going to yeah. be generation. It's going to be um, when we get to OTAs, rookie OTAs. He might make a catch that oh, you know just sure gets will. cycled over and over. Training no, camp, same kind of thing, right? No doubt. I mean, and, and honestly, you could say kind of the same for Caleb. I mean. There haven't been that many quarterbacks that have come in with the hype that he's had and really right. dominate, not have many like poor performances at all that you could think of. So I think for for those two, especially, Mike, you're going to see their value carry so much because one of the things you'll see with guys as we get down this board is that where, where their value ends up coming up and down as a player, we have seen them all at times fail in some way, shape or form. And that memory of seeing somebody fail versus this upside I man this guy is unbelievable like people people tend to really reach for you know guys that have upside and they haven't seen fail yet that that's true that's true yeah. all right so at least with the 102 it's in the range right like there's a handful of players you could argue with um i yep. think the same would go for the 103 because that's going to be one of you know caleb marvin harrison jr drake may uh, maybe Jaden Daniels or Malik. People Neighbors. are clamoring for Jaden in that 103 spot now. That right. Man. So maybe they work their way up into that conversation like pretty solidly, and that's who it becomes. Um, I would say the same things that I said about the 102 for you know which would I rather have right now the 103 or Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Tua, Bijan, Brock Purdy, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs. Those are all picks that went after him. Right. I'd say the same thing. Like I would rather have the flexibility of that 103, the hype machine behind it. And I think that's one that could push up in value because realistically, the 103, you could be having that conversation about Trevor Lawrence or Amon Ra or Jamar Chase even, uh, right? People yep. could people could be going ballistic for that pick. Um, sure. The interesting part, like as we move on, though, that, that the value really starts at the 3-1 is when you saw the 104 come off the board. Now, right. I just gave you two other names that are going to push Drake May for the 103, right? Mm-hmm. And and they may be doing it already. <laughs> Could you imagine, you know, if this draft goes five deep on prospects that we're all just enamored with and in love with? Jane Daniels, Drake May, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison, Caleb Williams, right? We're going to go, holy cow. Getting the 104 at the 3-1 is going to be a value because then you could literally – talk about Gibbs and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Brock Purdy, all those picks to uh, all those picks that went before him going, man, I'd much rather have that 104. Same for the 105 that went right after. Uh, Mr. Wonderful took that at 3-2. I hate that he's cramping on my style, man. Everybody was passing on those those mid picks after Caleb and Marv and, and, you know, possibly Drake May at the 103. Yeah. So snatching 104 at uh, the 301, I was like, oh, this is a home run slam dunk here. We're just going to take the pick. 
and we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. I, I think when you and I talked, I said, even from a team building standpoint, Adam, I could walk away with Chase. Let's say it's Marv. And then at the 104, a Jane Daniels. If right. Jane Daniels ain't it or Drake May doesn't fall, Malik Neighbors. Right. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good start, right? Like, talk about three wide receivers you'd be excited about mm. having. Right. Well, I mean, you're talking it, as long as, um, you know, the community holds values of the players, which, by the way, we'll see a lot probably change between here and the draft. But there's there when you include Neighbors, um, who's when you really start to look at his body of work, I mean, the only thing keeping him from being such a complete ridiculous hype machine, in my opinion, is the fact that he's in the same class as, like, arguably the quintessential, like, the prospect at receiver in the class. So, like, there's five guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say right now, where we do this every year, by the way, everybody. Just think about this for a second when we're going through the startup. We do this every year with the rookie class. Like, I mean, there's there's three guys. Like, there's three picks right now we feel really good about. We were saying for, I don't know, three, four months. Right, you're you're looking at the prospects of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Now all of a sudden you're throwing Jaden Daniels possibly into that elite mix and Malik Neighbors. And when you think about what their value carries and what that pick carries because of it, these values of in the startup of a 301 and a 302 to basically have you know not that much of a fall off in value from what the 201, 204 are like that's a huge, huge value I think. And that's where I'm talking about how not not that it's not the most fair way or the best way. But if you're paying attention to this, those those are huge ways to grab values, man, in a startup. Massive, massive ways to do it. Uh, so, yeah, 104 comes off at 3-1. Uh, the 105 came at 302. Now, we don't get the 106 pick until the 409, Adam. 106 goes at 409, and the 107 goes at the 410. <laughs> yeah, I, and I can I – can, I will say this. I, I think a, they're starting to, um, obviously, as you say, we'll look back and – the longer the picks go versus when we compare the ADP to when their names, you'll, you'll start to see like each round probably spreads out. You're going to see a little more value bleeding into each round. But I think the reason this is happening currently anyway, is the players that you're seeing in this range, like we're, I, I would say, I, let me define it this way. You're, you're out of the, what people think as safe, high upside quarterbacks are now. Right. So yes. That now becomes a skill player discussion, and everybody, I think, at the moment is looking at the 24 rookies in this range as skill players. So they're essentially saying um, between the name or the value or the player that they would rather have you know, Brandon Ayuk, as you see on the board, or Michael Pittman or Jalen Waddell or, or whatever their choice was as opposed to, like, I know this is a really good value, but they just don't believe necessarily in what is going to be there on the board. Whether that's right or wrong, we'll find out, obviously. But I think, I think that's the end- why the, the, the fall is so hard. The interesting spread is, like, we kind of look at the 106, 107. Might be a quarterback like a, a Penix or a McCarthy type or a Bo Nix, you know, somebody along those lines. But we might not get that at all. Right. Uh, the one thing you could say for sure is probably going to be, you know, wide receivers in that conversation, a Brock Bowers type in that conversation. Correct. So when you look at it um, from that lens and you can kind of match players up with it, Adam, let, let's just say the 106 is uh, Brock Bowers. Let's go with and the, okay. the, the 107 is a um, Roma Dunze, right? He, he's kind of got some hype. I, yeah. I throw Keon Coleman in there, but we're on campus to Canton, and I've seen enough of the, the campus to Canton people like ragdoll Keon Coleman. The, I don't the, slant, the slander, the hate. <laughs> don't want to ruffle any feathers. I love Keon Coleman, but we'll see how that all works out. But uh, let's say it's a, a Dunze in Bowers in, in whatever order you want. Okay. Um, 
Brock Bowers, you know, I think a lot of like pre mock drafts, like before we really get the hype machine buzzing, like kind of locking him in as a top 15 pick to a, a decent enough offense. And I think a Dunze probably in the same boat. So that's kind of what you're talking about from a prospect level from this class. So let's say it is those guys. Um, you know, could you make a case for Bowers over Mark Andrews? Yeah, from I mean, a I, value I, hype standpoint. I'd imagine keep trade cuts gonna reflect that at some point this okay. year in the offseason, yep. Mike. I mean, I, I can't guarantee, but I, I just understanding what I've seen and experience, I, that's probably going to happen. For, uh, to give everyone clarity, speaking of keep trade cut, right? So they currently have uh, 24 early first and the 24 mid first ahead of Andrews. So to, wow. to give you an idea, that gives you the 106 and the 107, I would call very much mid. So I'd, I'd say the conversation's already there with picks, and we know what the values are going to bump up with player names. Do you think that conversation would be for Trey McBride? Both you and I are, are higher on him, like one for one on, on McBride. Then I don't know where Keep Trade Cut has McBride well, right now. McBride's but are, pretty high. The, the 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 train has not just left the station. That train is long, long gone, buddy. Mc, Full, Mc, fully understand. McBride is uh, tight end three on Keep Trade Cuts, and his difference between Laporta is you know nothing like outrageous. So, do you think there there is a possibility at least with McBride? Uh, because he did almost absolutely nothing uh, his rookie year. Right? He was kind of an afterthought heading into this season. And then even at the start of the season, it was all Z- damn Zach Ertz, man. <laughs> it was all Zach Ertz, and McBride didn't really get underway until the end of the season. Do you think there's a possibility for some off-season narratives, you know, with people maybe slandering him a little bit and driving <clears throat> the price down just a, just a little bit? Right? From McBride? Saying, yeah, versus Bowers. Um, versus Bowers, I think it's possible because I think, I, and I, I'd, I'd put it like this: I would think that that conversation is going to be more so what what the community does with the rookie tight end in general. Like, gotcha. they just this guy is coming in; he's the best prospect. You're, you're going to hear talk about he's the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. When that's just, I mean, it's not that he's not a great one. Don't hear, don't mishear me on this. But we had Kyle Pitts recently. We've had great freaking tight end prospects. So it's not like. My point is, I think the I think the the hype is going to be more so on the Brock Bauer side. If that's the case, I think the community and people as a whole are absolutely in love with Trey McBride's finish to the season. You know, Good. so yeah. that's that's I think where he's going to be okay. Uh, I'll give you an easy one because I talked about him as a sell candidate on this very show a couple of weeks ago. T.J. Hawkinson, <clears throat> not because I don't like his talent. I'm an Iowa guy. You know, I love my Iowa tight ends. Uh, yeah. but that ACL MCL injury, you know, late December is highly concerning and unfortunately we just saw another tight end you know tears acl in the same fashion with tyler higby those low knee hits man there's something else damn i mean watching that hit the higby i mean i you just knew that was not gonna be something he's recovering from quick uh you were hope, hoping for the best but you knew it was bad as soon as you saw it anytime you see that like flamingo knee and i always think back to the uh the ohio state uh, miami was that 2000? Yeah, Willis McGee. 2001? 2000, yeah, 2001. I think it was the 2001 season, 2002 championship, yeah. Yep. He got hit basically uh, right on the knee with a helmet. <laughs> and he, uh, that leg goes backwards. So you're like, nah, you're not knee supposed to bed like that. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, every time I see that one, that's the first one that always sticks into my mind. One of the most brutal hits you've ever seen on somebody's knees. And you, we just saw another one. We saw it with Hawkinson. So I think Hawkinson at least would be a layup for me as far as who would you rather have? Like, who's going to not have the negativity? Uh, me included. 
you know, I, I started it by saying sell TJ Hawkinson while we're still high on him. I think the, the cycle, though, is still going to still gonna continue, right? There's a lot more people who jump on that train going, oh, yeah, you're right, ACL and MCL. <laughs> like, December, we probably ain't seeing a whole lot of TJ Hawkinson in 24, you know, can, at least production-wise. Can, can I tell you, though, I'd be interested to see what this ends up happening um, for the communities as this season rolls around. Because the, the, the weird part about it is, while you're correct, the off-season – People have this um, notion of you're looking at a starting lineup without really caring if they're playing per se. And gotcha. Yeah. The reason I say that that's we, that's crazy is Mike. Think about it this way. All right. So December 26. Um, like when when was his injury? Wasn't it in December? Yeah, late December. So December 26, and that looks like his peak where he got a little bit of a dip. Uh, 53.64 was the dynasty value on a keep trade cut, and he went down right away to 49.76. But he's all the way almost recovered at 52.58. So you're seeing the value go up when it shouldn't be. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> right. to say it shouldn't be from it probably should have plummeted more than it did, frankly, because it was such a late. But there's no way that you can tell me that um, with a, a multi ligament injury that late in the season that this should be reflective of his value almost being what it was when he was healthy. I mean, that's just insanity. Yeah. Uh, then from the Adunze standpoint. Right for wide receivers that went in front of potentially Adunze, I put yeah. that in quotes. Right, but just so we're aware, this is what we're going to use: Brandon Ayuk, Adunze or Ayuk. Right, I'll take Ayuk, but I get I get the value side being on Adunze possibly because he's you know young and exciting and depends on who you're trading with. Like uh, Adunze has the opportunity, at least in the off season, to generate some buzz and some hype from the you know rookie camps and you know stuff we talked about earlier. Right. Ayuk doesn't really have that opportunity, right? It's kind of the old, hey, we've seen him, <laughs> like we we know what he is at this point. Right, and I think well, part of that too is, I mean, with Ayuk, it always has felt like Mike that while w- whatever we've seen, we haven't given him enough credit. Would be you and I, uh, where I should say the community hasn't given him enough credit, so we'd like to get him at value now. Now what we've seen and what the community is reflecting on is that he's a top 10 receiver on keep trade cut. So it's not only have we seen it and he's not going to have that big surge in value, but he's already getting to the point of like, this is what he is. I mean, we can all acknowledge he's great, but he's not going to start going past the, you know, the studs in front of him there where a Dunze from a perspective of value, if let's say this guy's a top 10 NFL pick, you're talking, who knows where his value could go past Chris Olaves, you know? Right, right. Um, Michael Pittman, right, kind of in the same boat as Ayuk. I think both you and I would rather have Michael Pittman uh, right now, but th- there's also that that give and take. Like, how many people in my league would be interested in a Pittman or an Ayuk, right? Not that they're old, but they're, they're kind of past their luster of being, like, young where we get super excited on them and push them up for no reason as a community <laughs> sometimes. But they're kind of past that point, starting to settle in uh, production-wise, putting up great numbers. Those are the kind of wide receivers I think you and I generally like to go for. Yeah. Uh, but I think Michael Pittman would be in that conversation. I would say more people would be interested in a Dunze if you were to generate the the buzz than, than would be a Michael Pittman or Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Jalen Waddell. Starting to get there, <laughs> starting to get there. People starting to cool their jets, and obviously Chris Olave, Tyreek Hill. We just watched elite production, but the thing with Tyreek Hill is always going to be age. It's yeah, I mean gonna he's going to be thirty. Many, yeah, 
how many more does he have? And if you're rebuilding, which, you know, probably half your league is going to be rebuilding at some point, there's a lot of people where Tyreek Hill is almost a non-starter for them in trade discussions or value. Like, no, I don't want your Tyreek Hill. No, I'm good. Like, it doesn't fit what I want. I just don't get it, though, in in a certain lens, Mike, though, because, um, and you and I agree with this point, but I just, I struggle with how much they push down, like, um, or how much, but a lot of people push down Tyreek's value. You know, I was, I've, was redoing my rankings again last, this uh, just last night and you know trying to do them every single week here is is like I'm seeing on keep trade cut that Tyreek Hill and Brandon Ayuk are the same thing and when I just think about that from a value standpoint you could get as much as I love Ayuk let's say he plays another four years in this peak like being aggressive what is that worth to your team relative what if Tyreek has one more great season yeah, what if he has one more year where he's approaching or pushing for 2,000 yards in a season? Right? Like in the dynasty lens, I could argue that I'd rather have that one absolutely game-breaking season for my team than I would necessarily three or four years of IU. While he's great, I love him. I'm not trying to discount him, but they're not the same thing as I guess what I'm trying to say, even with the age factored in. That's where I struggle with. For me, he's still a top five receiver in dynasty, so that's just, you know. And I'm with you. I think one for one, right, in a, in a lineup – you, you smash the the Tyreek side, but even in a best ball, right? One for one. I want the the warp difference maker. I want the guy who's multiple weeks, you know, possibly winning me a week, even in best ball by himself, right? I want that guy who's a threat for a 30 or 40 piece every single week who I go, it didn't really matter who my wide receiver two and three was. Tyreek made up for it by himself. Not that Brandon, you can't have some of those weeks. Right. They're just not as big. So I'm, I'm with you on that point, right? One yeah. for one, the, the explosive, the the dynamite, the, the league wrecking type player, the warp difference maker means more than, you know, potentially having four seasons of, you know, what was Brandon, you warp wise, maybe a wide receiver one, you know. Yeah, 10, you know, the back end wide receiver one, 10 to 14, depending on the format. Kind of in know? the range, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I'd much rather have the guy who's the one on one. <laughs> just killing everybody else. I want right. that dude. Right. Even if it's for one season. Exactly. I think that's something that's kind of gets misconstrued mis- uh, in Dynasty. But we didn't, I don't mean to take, go on a too, no, big, no, no, too big a of a side change. I just think that that's something to think about, even if you're going to be pushing away from age. One of the things I do want to highlight in startups, Mike, is that I'm, you know, you start to make a direction pick, right? And it's not, we're not quite to that point, but we're getting there where people feel like, okay, if you take a Barkley who we saw go off in this range, right? Or you take, certain players you start to think okay i want to contend now because i drafted this and subsequently every pick after you're going to be thinking i don't want to just take a youth guy remember when you draft these i'm starting to really um with questions and even when i'm going to start doing my own startups again as much as we do want to contend if you start doing that the same principle that we talk about early like you don't have to build a lineup um in the first four or three rounds based on what your starters are going to be. You don't have to do that in round 10 either. You don't have to do that in round 12 either. Sometimes you can still just draft the best value and figure out your lineup way down the roster in July or June or all the time you have up until the season starts. So while you do become a little more rigid and you don't want to just draft a team that has no chance to start, remember you have all time to trade. So um, I, I just want to highlight that point as we get through because I think that's something to talk about with that Tyree Kill. People will fade him because they say, well, I want to I want to go young. You could trade Tyree Kill still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't even touch on all these running backs, right? Christian McCaffrey, ETN, Barkley, like uh, Jonathan Taylor, like these kind of assets who are going, you know, above some of these draft picks where, again, 
uh, kind of locks you into a direction, right? Kind of picking your, your thing like you were talking about. You're, yeah. you're kind of leaning into that contender thing, but you're also hampering yourself from a value or a liquidity or a movement standpoint a little bit because you automatically eliminate some of these teams. Like, good example, I'm eliminated because I don't really have a whole lot of interest in acquiring an ETN from you, a Barkley, uh Kyron Williams, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, like those right. assets, I view them as harder to move. And the way I started off the draft, you know, Chase, rookie pick, rookie pick, T. Higgins, Drake London, rookie pick. Right? Just the way I started, I'm going, now nah, I'm good. I'm just going to see kind of exactly how this unfolds from a, a value or a team building standpoint and when I can move these guys for the right assets. You know, January, February, March, April, probably May. Am I interested in moving, you know, for your Christian McCaffrey, Saquon? No. <laughs> I want to keep my flexibility. Now, yep. I, w- will I do it at some point? If the value is right in August and I decided that, hey, I want to kind of push in and compete for 24, yeah, maybe. Maybe I will then. But that's a lot of time in between where, <laughs> where that asset's sitting on it. Sure. It's not as sexy to the rest of your league. Generally, when I do a startup at this point, I kind of want to just have the most appealing um roster where it's like well mike could go either way mike mike could go to you know competing or damn he's got a lot of assets that i'm interested in you know i really love it on sleeper i don't know if you noticed too that that love player feature the like player interest feature oh yeah i I like it too when you get a lot of those notifications that you know you know bob has like like seven of your players he's interested in that's the kind of roster that you want to have right for sure because then i'm going okay maybe me and bob can get something done as far as a deal when I got a lot of these assets like running backs or these older assets or these assets that don't have the sex appeal, I find the notifications don't uh, don't come as often. Well, they won't be coming for the next six months at least. That's the other thing. When you take a Christian McCaffrey, as much as I like him, and listen, we saw the guy was just absolutely a beast this year, right? This is why Christian McCaffrey is that, that dude. He's him. But you're going to basically, when you pick him in a startup, like – just understand that that asset's going to be on your team probably until the season starts, or you're going to, you may end up trading away for a loss when you look back at it. And then as you keep going down, right, uh, the, uh, the 108 doesn't come off to the 509, the 109, uh, doesn't come off to the 609. And that was a kind of interesting one there too. Somebody else actually took the, uh, the 10, the 109 before me. Uh, I become on the clock at the, uh, where are we at? The 612. Okay, six twelve startup pick. I'm looking at my options and I'm going, damn, one ten or the one oh nine just went, you know, a couple picks before me. That would have been a nice one to take with everything left on the board. I got a trade offer, one for one. They would trade me that <laughs> that one oh nine for my pick on the clock at the six twelve. So they could take David and Joku. And Adam, I think that's kind of where you go from a value standpoint. David and Joku had a hell of a finish to the season. It's awesome. But if I look long-term and I go, would I rather have a tight end on my roster in David Njoku, who's probably not going to gain too much value in the offseason, or would I rather have the potential of what that 109 could be as far as, hell, what if we do get four or five quarterbacks who are taken with first-round draft capital? It's a super flex best ball league, 12-team. Quarterbacks are going to have value, especially rookie quarterbacks, because they have that little bit of insulation. Like, look at Kenny Pickett. He still has some insulation. You know, even though we're going into the third year of right. him playing piss poor, still has some insulation because you're like, well, he might be the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh again in 24. Yep. <laughs> might still be that guy, right? Uh, Mac Jones, 
the year before had that insulation coming in, right? Those rookie quarterbacks, those first rounders get afforded a little bit more insulation than everybody else. It's very rare to have that Josh Rosen situation, the one and done, right? Uh, even Dwayne Haskins got a second year. <laughs> it usually I'm, happens. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, man, when you think about that, like, listen, I, I've been to Njoku, uh, you know, Stan, as far as, you know, being a Brown and being that, that uber athletic. I remember Mike in the very first, uh, you know, his rookie season being at camp and the dude comes out just looking like, um, you know, something like he's from plant, some planet that's not earth. Like guys just An got Adonis, his, right? yeah, he's got his, his shirt rolled all the way up so you could see all of his like 10 pack abs. And <laughs> what a flex. I would do that if I ever had abs too. <laughs> he looks just insane. Right. But he, he had the, he had the drops and then, you know, he wasn't the greatest blocker and they bring in um, Austin Hooper. So it was a roller coaster, but now you're seeing a lot of this upside, you know, pan out, which is great. But from a warp perspective, we talk about this, like, what that means to your team, and this is in a I'm looking in a um a league where you get double the points per catch as a receiver. One, the tight ends don't get to the the receivers or the running backs in this league. And then two, like you're looking at the difference between him and Kittle is negligible. Literally it's p- less than point one in warp. Who goes, you know, a round and a half almost two rounds later? And you trade it up, so you bled some value to go up and get him. It just I mean, obviously, you get the better deal, um, making out trading out of that pick. But you could have ta- you would have taken someone else in Njoku. But that's just in startups, man. These are the type of things that you make that trade up for Njoku. Njoku better be a difference maker for you uh, to even make that pick somewhat worth it. I, I think a lot of it too. Like early on, when we're talking about these rookie picks, how we said they they might be tight, they might be within a few picks range in the end. Uh, value-wise when you actually put names to them and we get consensus of what rookies to take. Uh, but when you start getting down here, right, the the, the 109s going in the, the end of the sixth round, uh, the 110s going in the beginning of the seventh, same for the 111, and we're finishing off the first round at 708 with the 112. Look at the kind of range of players around there, right? Javante Williams or the 112, right? Just in a vacuum right now. Somebody sent you that trade offer. Which would you rather have? Right? Would you rather have Javante or would you rather the 112? I'm with you. I'd rather have the flexibility of the 112. Uh, Devonte Adams or the 112, right? <laughs> George Pickens, Debo Samuel, uh, Travis Kelsey, James Cook, um, Rasheed Rice, I think after the playoff game, I think we can all say we'd rather much rather have than the the one eleven or the one twelve Rasheed Rice, but still, you would think. I mean, but like, and, and so here, here's the thing, right? If, if of all the guys that I'm seeing here in this range, like, would I rather have? And I, and I, I'll admit, I wasn't the biggest Debo guy. I'd rather have Debo than the one twelve, right? Um, but like, okay, Devontae Adams. It, if you wanted to argue it, you're arguing that you still think the guy's going to just be a really big value. Okay, fine. But then I also understand you have to hold that player. You're going to hold Devontae Adams until the season starts. Like you, you've locked yourself into that. Not, not, not saying you right. can't do it. Right. But it takes away flexibility to take Devonta Adams. And you still could very well be right that that asset, if you're someone that's going to hold is going to be the best value as far as warp goes or whatever. But the thing about the draft pick is one, the picks aren't going high enough yet because we're not, we haven't really, uh, anywhere near reach that 24 rookie fever yet, right? We don't, a lot of people in the community don't know, like Campus to Canton. So if you're listening to this here, there's a chance you can have a pretty good feel of the 24 class. Remember that not everybody has, even in dynasty leagues, really um, 
gone through with a fine tooth comb and knows who they're even going to get in that range, let alone the hypes built up from the senior bowl, which is coming up soon, the combine, which is coming up soon. So the 112 offers a flexibility standpoint. You know, somebody can go in that draft again like this and say, hey, I want to get my guy where you just saw like an Njoku trade up, right? Somebody for your 112 on the clock when you have that draft may say, oh, man, I can't believe whoever it is. Keon Coleman's there. I'm just going to throw out names. But point is, somebody could say, wow, I cannot believe what this 112 offers at some point. And you can trade that for a lot different of a value than you press the button on for here in a startup. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, that rounded out the first round, but Adam, I had some questions too because I actually think I probably made a mistake here in hindsight, and, right. and this happens. Which you know, one? To the best of us. Let's talk this about this. Happens it. to the best of us. All right. So, at the uh, the eight twelve. Okay. So the one twelve had gone at seven eight. The two o one went at the eight o one, and the two o two went at the eight eleven. I'm on the clock. Back to back picks here. So my choices. You know, I have the option of getting the 203 and the 204 if I wanted to stay flexible with picks. Let's talk value-wise. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, or a potential 203-204 pick. Which would you rather have if you're thinking about this whole aspect of what keeps you flexible, what keeps you the most liquidity, mm-hmm. what keeps the most value, hyper-value bump? Okay, so like uh, from the standpoint of uh, did you mi- did you miss or not or make a mistake – we can debate that uh, differently now because I, I think at this point uh, I'll touch on it in a second. Let me answer your question first. I think that from a value standpoint, you probably do have a little more flexibility just in a strict vacuum value, not talking positional scarcity or necessities. The value is probably the early second. That being said, Mike, at this point, you've already been very flexible with your team. You've gotten more picks. You can certainly definitely make the case that you you should have taken the value um, foregone, you know, locking up a couple quarterbacks and like saying, all right, if I don't have my quarterbacks in a year, I'll just, you know, keep grabbing more future value picks or doing a, a value build. Although I don't hate these because if you just think about that, the one thing as you get further down, I'm a little more comfortable as you get further in along in a startup. Uh, making a little bit of pivot switches from just strictly the value on paper when necessary is like, okay, Russell Wilson is not someone that people are going to love. And, and obviously with, you know, what's going on with him getting benched and the contract situation, who's, who's yeah. going to play for Daniel Jones is coming off of a huge letdown after an unbelievable season for him as a player the year prior. But Mike in startups, Remove for that for a second. Just think, what is someone going to have to pay for a starting quarterback in a super flex or two quarterback league? I mean, second round pick probably at minimum. So you're at least locking down positional scarcity value. And although it's not the same thing and doesn't quite offer you as much flexibility to the point you're making, you're a little more locked in with that asset longer than the pick. You probably at some point are going to get out for at minimum those second round pick values that you did not take if you were to trade them. So you can make the case for the quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that you um, couldn't have just done very well with the value of the seconds there. But at a certain point, I think there's a little more, there's a little better discussion where early, early on, I mean, you're talking about holding on to an asset with extreme dynasty value versus this is. You know, it's a second round pick. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to make light of it, but you can get out, especially with quarterbacks, you can tend to get out for seconds at some point if you had to. 
I get you too. I think the other thing that went into it, at least for me, um, you know, I had, I was probably 50, 50 on what I wanted to do there as far as liquidity and, yeah. and where I kind of wanted to stay. Yeah. But like you mentioned, I had so much liquidity from earlier. You know, I think I have, Jesus, I got one, two, three, four first round <laughs> draft picks, right? The two, the four, uh, the nine and the 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. I already I, have I a lot second of second point. Don't, don't let me forget the second point uh, after oh, this. Oh. Well, I already have a lot of liquidity in that first round, right? And you're talking about a two, and you're talking about a four. Like, could it be this guy? Could it be this guy? Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth between is it a quarterback? Is it a wide receiver? Is it, you know, I think by taking two quarterbacks, even crusty, gross ones, best ball, right? I, I'm not starting these guys. But it adds a couple more to the quarterback room, right? It, it at least puts a couple quarterbacks in my room in best ball yep. where I go, that frees up actually freedom with the two two and the four with the the nine and the ten right say it is a Penix or mccarthy or a bo nix with first round draft capital i'm not necessarily locking myself into when i go look at it and go i have no quarterbacks whatsoever like i have to take quarterbacks here like would i consider it anyways just the way i play yes um you know and and i'll kind of do the whole value game too uh kind of what i want to do but I'm not locking myself into taking quarterbacks with those picks. Right? I'm not going, I have to take quarterbacks at two. I have to take a quarterback at four. You know, I have to take a quarterback at nine yeah. or ten. Maybe I really like neighbors. Maybe I can sense just by keep trade cut or his community or looking at X and listening to other content creators and other podcasts. Man, you know, instead of taking, you know, Drake May, who's like my dude, Maybe I take a neighbors here. Like neighbors is generating all this buzz and people are like, damn, he's already a top ten wide receiver on keep trade cut. No doubt. People aren't as high on Drake May. Maybe I by doing that and taking some unsexy quarterbacks at the time, I think you, you hmm. open up positional flexibility well, with your other picks. I, I okay. I I now have two points. Um the one though was gonna be this. So what's interesting, Mike, I, I do want to talk about this with the audience. I think a big thing with these picks is understanding how you play, how you use them, and when the draft is. When is this draft? Is it pre or post NFL draft? Post. Post. Okay, so it is post. All right. So then at least you'll have a lot more clarity, right? Some of these drafts where you're drafting these picks to draft the rookies before the NFL draft, yeah, based on what I've seen with some of this hype for certain quarterbacks and not knowing if they're first-round securities, I don't want to draft them in that first round anymore. So There you go. That would be a great point on this if you were doing that. Now, even to this, Mike, here's, here's I think, um, another thing to really keep in mind. Obviously, we never can live in a world of the hindsight 2020 clarity that the rest of the draft will give you. But where I think you actually did not make a mistake, if, you, if I was going to judge this as a non-biased outsider looking in, what has this entire draft been showing you what they care about their rookie picks? They don't. They don't. Yeah. And look at what happens after. There's three rookie picks that go till you're on the clock next. Now they care. <laughs> so now like, it flips, right? It almost flips in value wise, where yes. the the old producing vets or the people who have stable ish value <laughs> are the ones who fall, and the rookie picks now become, oh, I got to take a rookie pick now. I didn't have any earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even still, right? Because it does. So you do have uh, in these next set of picks, but Mike, you're on the swing. So you're talking. There's basically 23 picks until you're back on the clock, only three of which are rookies. So, Mike, you got those quarterbacks secure as locks up. And at this point where you don't take rookies again, 
you could have taken though. What would that have been? The 206? Yeah. Yep. So you could have gotten those quarterbacks and taken had you chose to the 206 and 207 here. And then you see what the values of players still are on the board because three of the rookie picks go. So I guess the reason I'm trying to highlight all that is you could definitely argue and you could say, yeah, man, you'd have another bit of leverage in this class. But I think because you got two of the starters, one, look what happens after you do that. I, there's a lot of different layers of a startup, right? But because Mike takes two quarterbacks, I don't know if you're listening on podcast or if you can actually end up seeing this or not, but the next two picks subsequently are Matt Stafford and Derek Carr. People start freaking out about the quarterbacks. Then you see Aaron Rodgers go, Geno Smith go, Aiden O'Connell goes. So you also kind of helped some value fall to you later by doing such, right? You end up getting gotcha. later on, I think, players that probably may not have been there. That's always the cool thing about picking on the turn, too. Just a little free advice there for startups. Boom, yes. if, if you pick on the turn, you know, double tap in a position, also just all of a sudden people's people's fingers tighten. Man, <laughs> I, oh, man. Somebody, Quarterbacks are going. Somebody was uh, asking about position they should take in a derby, and I said, listen, these are all fine, but I, I personally like picking close to the turn and being able to influence the rest of the round potentially after I draft, right? You, you get to start runs, right? Exactly. And because you, it's so long between when you pick again, too, right? You double tap, uh, say, quarterback in this situation. Immediately after, you see two quarterbacks, and then some people in the middle go, okay, I don't need quarterbacks. And then, you know, it takes one person at the 908 in this example to go, well, I better take quarterback. They're mm -hmm. running out. And the 910 goes, I got to take quarterback. And all of a sudden, you get the guy at the 10-4 the going, I got to reach on Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're out of quarterbacks. Exactly. Because Mike, this is the this is the this is part of this continuation, right? Aiden O'Connell at the ten oh four, which since Mike did this double tap at the eight twelve nine oh one, right? So subsequently the next twelve, thirteen, four, fifteen picks, sixteen picks, sorry, you see another five quarterbacks go. And then there's almost there's actually two rounds plus before Kenny Pickett goes. And then there's another two rounds until Mac Jones goes, and then there's another round until Sam Howe goes. So what I'm trying to get at here is you're looking at from round from 10.04 until the 17th round here, there's only three quarterbacks that go. The, 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 the market, because picks include all those other quarterbacks, right, all the rookie picks, the, yeah. the, the quarterback position is done. So I don't, think you, I don't think you made a mistake at all looking at hindsight 2020 for myself. I like it. And then my strategy, at least later on, is, uh, and I pretty much do this throughout the draft. So just to summarize the whole thing, Adam, is I always think about what potentially could happen. You know, like where do I project this guy would be, you know, amongst wide receivers or amongst quarterbacks, whatever their position is, and then kind of their overall value. So when we start to get into can you take these third-round picks with kickers? If the answer is yes, I look at it. Would I rather have the 301 or would I rather have Zach Charbonnet? Right, and I talked about it on that that sell. I go for flexibility wise, I'll take the th the three hundred one. That could be another running back who's got a possibility of having the same exact role as Charbonnet. Doesn't have any stink on him right now, <laughs> right? Yep. Or it could be a wide receiver where we go, oh, I kind of like this guy. You know, there might be a Josh Downs type. You know, somebody in that range. Uh, we talked about with Brandon Sanders too, getting better at identifying some of those guys who slip through the cracks. Right? I would much rather have a shot at possibly getting another Puka Nakua type who's going to ascend into top five wide receiver range with these thirds and fourths, then I would, you know, let's go down here where we're at. I imagine there's, yeah, I think we just started 
taking fourth round picks. Like just started taking fourth round picks. This is ongoing, but would you rather have like the four oh one or you know, John U. Smith? I'll take a fourth. Just take a dart. Hayden Hurst. Or or I'll take a first. I'll take a fourth. I mean <laughs> Ronnie <what>? Rivers. Well <laughs> or a fourth. Yes, I'll take a fourth. I mean, look at last year where I mean you talk about that with Brandon Sanders identifying later values. I wasn't somebody that did take a lot of Puka Nakua. I can tell you that, right? But I can tell you in the fifth round, a lot, I took Tucker Craft. Sometimes in these fourth round only, and there is no fifth round, I got off waivers Tucker Craft. So in a fourth round, Mike, that was where I also took Tucker Craft. So like there's there's players um, in the fourth round, I think, that offer. Because Tucker Craft really got an opportunity to shine when Luke Musgrave went down. So like the, you could even say that Tucker Craft would have been a miss had Luke Musgrave stayed healthy, but there was so much time where Tucker Craft carried more value per se than would a Jonu Smith all offseason again. So there's that yep. too, right? Yep. I thought that was pretty easy. And then quickly here, we'll uh, we'll bounce out of here on this. I do have another one going on, Adam. Let's do it's it. A fourteen teamer. This all one right. is. It, 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 we're just getting to gloating territory now, okay? Just for everyone's um, understanding of what's about to happen here. Well, this one was a little bit different. Um, you know, not as much. I will say so. I, yeah, it's a little different. It started off spicy as hell. Uh, the 101 went at the 104 of the startup, right? Mahomes, Allen, Stroud, and then whatever that 101 is going to be. It's a 14-teamer, so I'm going to assume this is for Caleb Williams, right? I, I couldn't. You, you, you would I'd think so. I'd have a hard time justifying down to my very core, justifying Marvin Harrison as much as I love him. <laughs> Being the well, first wide receiver off the board and going ahead of Herbert and Hertz and Lamar and Joe Burrow in a 14-team Superflex. Well, I mean, you're looking at not just not just the value of um, you know superseding those quarterbacks, Mike, but you're talking like you're going to go this early to take him that far ahead of Justin Jefferson too. It, you would be. I would be shocked. That would be amazing if B. Hewitt decided to do that. So. Um, I'm rooting for you, buddy. <laughs> but after that, like, nobody really wanted draft picks. They they weren't too excited about it. And the 102 doesn't go till the 205 in a 14-teamer. So that's like mid-second in your 207 <clears throat> in your 12-team. The crazy part, that's though, That's a pretty big far. Can, can, I far. Tell you, can I tell you what's crazy, though, for B. Hewitt, actually, in hindsight 2020? This is just the way it falls. This isn't necessarily pertaining to the startup values and all that generically. Let's say he was to take Marvin Harrison now. He ends up getting the 103 all the way back where he's going to be able to take his quarterback anyway. So he, he got bailed out. The The 103 goes at the 211. I take the 104 at the 213. I started off with Josh Allen at the 102 just so just so we know. But uh, sitting there looking at a 14-team Superflex League, and I go, if Jay Daniels keeps that steam, right, or if, if he overtakes Drake May. Like I thought, I'm getting a rookie quarterback with top five ish, top six ish draft capital yep. at the back part of the second round in a 14 teamer. Sign me up. This is easy because you know, like Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, Dak Prescott, Fields, Kyler Murray, all those quarterbacks went in front of that pick. And I go from a fluidity standpoint, even from a long term like dynasty value, it's there's going to be a lot of people who are going to rank that that 104 pick, quote unquote, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whoever it is over those guys <laughs> yeah. i'd rather build my team start that way and i'm going this is easy i'll start it up and then uh adam 
The 105 doesn't go till the 305. The 106 doesn't go till the 313. <laughs> I just is, ended up I just, snatching all these up, man. <laughs> this is just absolutely stupid. I mean, this specific startup. Mike, I, people listening. So Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins go at the 414 and 501. I mean, <laughs> what what are we not taking rookie picks for? If you want quarterbacks, you can go that route. I mean, my goodness. Right. Yeah, I did. Uh, especially when you get to that middle range, right? We talk about oh. maybe the possibility of multiple four or five quarterbacks going in the first round of the NFL draft in a 14-team super flex, having the, the six, the seven, the eight, the nine, the ten. Like, those are going to be so massively huge because if it happens – you just kind of walk into, you know, quarterbacks that are going to be ranked over the Kirk Cousins and the Geno Smiths and the, you know, Jared Goffs of the world, probably. When Kirk <laughs> Cousins Watson's got hurt, they're this going to be year. in the same conversation. Yeah. When Kirk Cousins got hurt this year, I did not imagine that one of the first startups I'd be looking at this offseason would still see him in the fourth round of a startup. So <laughs> here we are. Well, I guess technically, you know, you got to add <laughs> six more picks to it. So it's a, uh, Mid fifth, but still, that's high as hell. I don't know if he was going there last year. He was. He was, he was a four, he, he was a. He was a fourth, fifth round pick last year in startups. So that's what I'm saying. Like, Twelve teamers, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, boy, nuts, right? That's wild. But yeah, <laughs> the lack of the lack of beast. the lack of purple um, is pretty surprising. Would you say though, like to put a bow on it, uh, if you're in like a fourteen teamer, uh, especially best ball leagues, but even lineup leagues. Would you be even more aggressive in trying to go get the flexibility of these rookie picks because of the quarterback scarcity, right? Because they all seem to go so damn early. I mean, especially the first the, – the thing about 14-team, because it's going to push quarterbacks up, like this offseason, Mike, I think you're going to see in certain leagues. Every league's market's different, so I'm not trying to uh, speak to everyone specifically, but I think in the majority of leagues, you'll see a little bit of a quarterback devaluation from what we've seen in typical 12-team super flex leagues, right, because of what happened this year with injuries and lack of performance. reason I'm highlighting all that is in 14-team, because of the scarcity, even with all the stuff that happened this year, you can't get away from this um, quarterback hype push, right? You're seeing the Kirk Cousins, the Genos, Russell Wilson after everything that went down is going in the sixth. Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Will Levis, Derek Carr, all in the seventh, right? So my point with that is in you when you talk about the first five, six picks, especially in 14 team leagues, it, it's I view it as I'm drafting with the idea of I'm getting a quarterback at extreme value, or you let someone like neighbors fall to me because of the way that it goes. And when you think about what that is, like you're talking you're going to have – so Tyler Bass and Jake Elliott, what rookie picks are those for you? Um, the 402, 513, right? Yeah, let me uh, let me pull it up here on old sleep here. Shout out again to Jcat. This is such a good tool. That pick <laughs> tracker it. thing is, is legit, by the way. It's, so so which, which kicker was it? So, um, okay, so Tyler Bass, Jake Elliott, Jake Moody. I want to talk about these three specifically. Okay, uh, Tyler Bass was the 107. <clears throat> All right, so the 107, right? Is yep. is the next rookie pick um, that you get, and this is after. So the the Deshaun Watson is the last quarterback off the board at this point. So you're you're looking at. Or I'm sorry, no, it's a uh, Jared Goff. Jared, so Jared Goff. Goff, and then you come around to 107. Um, you also took before that the 106. So like you're talking 
the 106 107 range or Jared Goff or you know Deshaun Watson and then you look at that versus the next quarterback Kirk Cousins it's it's a massive value now look at Bryce Young for example okay like Bryce Young really fell on his face and he was the number one overall pick so maybe you know this pit this player if you get a quarterback in that range if it ends up being a panics type or uh you know McCarthy or I don't know who it might be but point is there's going to be a lot more value on that than someone like Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins or a lot of these quarterbacks that end up going later so um, the fact that quarterbacks are going to push value down the board because if any of those picks end up becoming Malik neighbors I mean it's just crazy the value that you have on the rookie pick side because of the quarterback inflation and influx of, of necessity into the the values of players Right. Uh, our guy, Kevin Bach, he took uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker. <laughs> Just got nice. to say that one. At the 5'10", right? So he took that well after Kirk Cousins and Geno had come off the board. That's the 108, for example. And then I came back and double-tapped 9 and 10 as well. But I think if you were to ask, even at a 14-team generically, like we got a trade on our trade show. About 108, it, right? 108 or Geno Smith? 100%. You'd say the 108. 108 or Kirk Cousins? It's the 108. 109 or Geno Smith? Yeah, it's the 109. I mean, it's right. So, you know, but that that's one of those things where what ends up being there at the 109, because you'll see stuff like this in a startup and you'll see the same type of thing in rookie drafts. Mike, when you leave here, this startup at the end of this, when the, before the rookie draft takes place, there will be people that look at their quarterback room and think, man, crap, I got to get one here in this rookie draft. Right. And that type yeah. of a, that type of a feel will make some value go down the board in rookie picks thousand percent thousand percent and again 14 teams is such a, a weird animal right uh the the person picking at the the 114 on the turn started running back running back okay now you're kind of already picking yourself a direction especially Ooh. when one of them's christian mccaffrey um then they come back with aj brown so the necessity to go oh crap uh the only quarterbacks available right now are kirk cousins geno smith russ uh, you know, Stafford, Mayfield, Daniel Jones, like those types. And all of a sudden they go, mm, I got to reach here. <laughs> I need these quarterbacks. One thing people don't ever take into consideration is the draft picks, right? Like that doesn't really pop in their head. Um, something to keep in mind when you're doing a startup and you have those kickers in. Kind of pencil in possibility of quarterbacks and where they're going <clears throat> into your pool of what's available so you don't end up panicking and reaching on, you know, Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith. If I started that way, which I probably wouldn't, running back, running back with Bijan, Chris McCaffrey, and then in the third, I'm like, A.J. Brown's too good of a value here. I got to take him. When I go on the board at 4-14-5-0-1, right, instead of reaching for the quarterbacks, maybe I take the draft picks. It seems antithetical, but I might be able to move those draft picks four quarterbacks and fill my needs at a given time and i got eight months to do it i got right. eight months to figure that out <laughs> i right. got eight months of hype and value and somebody falls in love with the dunes or somebody falls in love with brock bowers hey what do you got for a quarterback on there right like russ is starting can i get russ plus <laughs> oh yeah for sure like i give you russ and this other wide receiver that's how you build successful teams in startups coming out of it don't lock yourself into the whole uh you know, I'm going to avoid rookies because I started running back, running back. Yeah, that's fine. You can go ahead and start running back, running back. Just don't just don't destroy it later on. Right. <laughs> don't don't kill yourself later on and sacrifice value because well, you think you got to build a contender right now. Because he, he, here's the truth of the matter, too. And 
this is where like um when you do that and i talked about this it sometimes when you make moves earlier in startups and you start feeling rigid about needing to have a lineup today you'll make the move too soon for a specific position or you're drafting to fill a, a, a lineup right go if you go back to that uh board real quick mike because you you did this at 414 and the 501 thinking like i just i'm not i am so uncomfortable like you, literally when you do this you can just feel in like an anxiety ridden thought process right now just listening think about the anxiety of like I can literally feel right now if I don't get a quarterback, I don't know if I will. <sighs> Freaking out, right? What what would have been there if you waited to 614 and 71? So you could have literally gotten at that point, you know, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, Matthew Stafford and Daniel Jones. You cannot tell me right now that you guarantee that Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith are going to be better for you than Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and instead, yeah. and instead you'll get uh you could have taken T. Higgins and Michael Pittman there. So you could now have Michael Pittman and T. Higgins with Daniel Jones and Matthew Stafford, but instead now you have Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup talking about the old town last rodeo going on, man, right? Like that's exactly the problem with what you do that way. Shout out to uh, to Mike Lou again. Uh, always do it. OG, if you guys don't know who he is, go look at some of his early work. Uh, he doesn't do dynasty or fantasy football content uh Man, I can't remember the last time he. It might have been with us. Yeah, <laughs> like no, the last time we I, got we got him, Marshawn Lynch. I, I got him to come out of retirement. Remember that was so awesome. Just for one one yeah. trade show was awesome. Yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, one of the OGs to do it, and one of the best to ever do it. Uh, definitely a Mount Rushmore candidate as far as dynasty content goes. But be his water. saying uh, for those of you who never yeah, be water, be water startups especially, be water, be fluid. Uh, don't lock yourself into just adjust with how it's going. But the biggest one, Adam, I just wanted to get on here and talk about specifically rookie picks and how they're going to rise in value. Uh, they're going to generate a ton of hype. So if you're doing a snake draft startup right now with just rookie pick numbers in there, don't be afraid to take them. Uh, you know, I obviously don't advocate possibly for doing it at the uh, 104 of a startup, taking the first one off the board. But uh, right, right. you want to start there at the end of your first round in your startup, go for it. Uh, you want to get the 102 and the 103 in the early part of the second round, do it. But especially when you start to get down to these sixes, sevens, eights, and they're available in the fourth, fifth round, sixth round of your startups, hammer away. Hammer away. Enjoy the flexibility. You have months, months to move it. Now, Obviously, what you said to a good point, I don't know everybody's specific league, so I'm not going to make uh, broad assumptions on it, you know, because there are some leagues out there where trading just never happens. Nobody ever likes rookie picks. People are scared to death. Know your league, but if you got a league where you're like, I think I can move it, or I think somebody's going to get excited because their favorite team just drafted Roma Dunze, right. <laughs> right? And they're going right. to want them. Bake that into your process when you're comparing, do I take a player, you know, like a... You know, like a Michael Pittman, a Brandon Ayuk, or maybe I want to stay a little bit flexible and hit possibly hit the lottery ticket of being able to sell a Dunze for even more than what I could sell an Ayuk for. So, whew, good one. Love it, buddy. And we always plan on like 45 minutes and then it's like an hour. Hour, hour time, baby. Before we get Brandon on there, we get an hour and a half oh, for yeah. sure. Well, yeah, with Brandon, we could have easily kept that thing going too. We were talking off air, um, you know, right as it was over about getting, doing some stuff too. So, yeah, it was, it, that's good. I, I, I always love Mike um, to see the different startups because 
when you look at ADP, uh, what what makes ADP so great is it's the average draft position. So it's literally taking the um, whatever you want to call it, like all the different drafts. So we we track it on our on our end on South Harmon too. All the different ADP it pulls from sleepier uh, from sleeper. Sorry, sleepier Jcat. It pulls from sleeper and it tells you between you know however many there's been. Maybe it's 300, 700, 1,200, 12,000 as we get into you know further into the off season. You'll get the ADP, which which basically is telling you what what's happened in culmination between all of those. But what I love looking at startups so much, and this is why, to your point with Mike Lou, be water. The ADP, the reason it's important to know ADP or understand, like looking at startups like Mike's in, giving yourself an idea of what's happening. But each individual draft is different. So you could be looking at ADP and you have a very good idea of where people should be going. But to your point, Mike, you just had a draft where we do understand it's 14 team, but the 104 is a 101 player versus it's a 110 in the 12 team there. So whatever your plan is, if you go into it with, I'm going to execute this plan, you can't tell me that you know what's going to happen in your startups because that's completely dependent on 11 or 13 other people in your league. So make sure that you're kind of um, thinking about all this different stuff we're talking about in a startup here. Any type of content you're consuming about drafts, Try to get as much of it in your head as possible so that you have the ability to adapt and make pivots based on what happens in your startup. That's it's hard to explain, but that's the that's the the reality of being in a startup is just being able to understand, utilize the information you have with ADP and what's happening with your league mates in front of you to make the best decision based on what the startup's bringing to you. Thousand percent, buddy. Thousand percent. We appreciate everybody's time. Hope you enjoyed Canton Bound. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 21, uh, the Deion Sanders special, Prime 21. I always love that number. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Is he the most famous 21 in NFL history? Ladanian Thompson's got to be up there, too. Yeah, we got to put LT up there, too. Yeah, Prime yeah. or LT. Yeah. I would say Prime, though, just because that was really my my generation, the I would, swag. And, I would definitely and now he's say. still damn relevant, right? Colorado. Yeah, man. Yeah. His his Amazon series I love watching those uh you know those hard knock esque Amazon ser- you know those those football series where they take you in behind the scenes and you know talk about the games as they happen and yep. interview the players and you get to see a little bit of the personal side of them too but his, his series on Amazon is pretty good Coach Prime yeah definitely <laughs> shout out to him yeah the the um I, I would say though those are probably I mean there's been some really good ones too twenty ones a pretty popular number. I think about like uh, uh, Frank Gore, obviously with just like the the length of time he played. Longevity, but yeah. I, I, I'll take uh, at twenty one. I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take Prime and LT one A one B for me. You know, I like it. I was sad too. We did a giveaway for uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, in the Discord, we gave away. I gave away my uh, my signed Deion Sanders Colorado Buffalo mini that, helmet. That one had to hurt, didn't it? It stung a little bit. The Tyreek one's still behind me, though, so we're still Let's good. Go. I haven't given that away yet. We're saving that one for a real special one, like 5,000 subs on YouTube or something like that. Absolutely, man. Let's can't, do that. Can't give up that alt, that alt Tyreek Hill. <laughs> can't do it. And the Zay Flowers one, that's never leaving. Ever. No. Oh, gosh, no. Never. Zay Flowers, we man. Were here, the moon. We were here first. Uh, that one before the draft. This is my proof right here, okay? <laughs> we appreciate everybody. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week for Canton Bound. Love y'all. Out of here. Peace. Peace.